From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. Thank you, Shaggy. Off the record, a day early. Not quite a day early, because we're about five or six minutes later than uh, than 10pm here in the UK. In Australia, joining me this week, we have, he's waving at you if you're watching Facebook Live, he is Austin Dunmore, of course he is. He's singer, songwriter, guitarist, all-round mighty fine chap from Melbourne, Australia. It's Austin Dunmore. Also, hi Austin, thanks for joining us. Short notice, really, to get on the, on the, this evening or tomorrow morning for you. It's Wednesday morning over there, of course. That's right. Uh, thanks, Big C. Good to good to be on the show again. Um, and this is—it's been about a year since uh, since we've had a chat one on one like this. Um, yes. We've only done it, I think, once. Uh, with the uh, the Aussie Rock uh, uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I asked you on for that one. Strange, isn't it? <laughs> well, it worked out for the best anyway. Yeah, you know, it was lucky. okay, wasn't it? So are we saying it's like an anniversary maybe this week? Or I, I guess you could almost say that. Uh, it's really interesting to look back at the last year, uh, not only through my involvement uh, on this podcast and being challenged to, to think about what happened, uh, you know, back 40 and 50 years ago, uh, yeah. all, all these years that we've been uh, look, looking at and examining. Uh, yeah. But uh, but also doing the same thing pretty much on a almost daily basis on Twitter in general, yeah. uh, where I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a huge participant in the, the, like, what I call classic rock Twitter, the community there, but um, I certainly uh, get in amongst it. Uh, there are there are some very prominent accounts there. Gen TX two point uh, and uh, Rock and Roll eighty five. Um, there's a there's a couple of big accounts that do lots of polls uh, and get uh, get pretty pretty heavy engagement. And and there is certainly a, there's certainly a community there uh, that. That, that is quite quite thriving and uh, some some really good discussions um, and it's really changed my uh, thinking on a lot of things um, particularly the, the the poll about you know when did the classic rock era end uh, <laughs> that was that was a real eye-opener actually and it, and it got me thinking uh, a lot more about uh, about what is rock and, and what was you know what was great and why it was great uh, and some things that that perhaps I had preferences for uh, a year ago, maybe when we first spoke, uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've I've changed position on. I've changed position on a lot of things. So you can't stand Led Zeppelin now, then, yeah? Is that what you say? <sighs> can't stand them. Detest <laughs> them. They're terrible. Yeah. How, how did they even get popular riff. in the first place? Just, just stealing muddy waters and whoever it is riffs. Uh, John Lee Hooker, probably. Or I don't know. Um, yeah, I jest, of course. Um, you, you've got to be the biggest, biggest Zeppelin fan in the world. <laughs> You're looking not, pretty not quite, smooth, but, but pretty big. <laughs> You're looking pretty smooth, by the way, with the uh, with the shirt and the shades. So I, I really should have shades on myself just to try and look a little bit more cool. Just when trying I, to set more set cool, a positive. I mean, cool. <laughs> just trying to set a positive example over here, mate. 
Oh, right. Okay. Well, you got the, you got the sun shining. Of course, it's 10, 10 p.m. here in the UK. There's not too much sun, it must be said. But you're talking about classic rock and uh, what's good and what's bad. Sort of comes on, to, obviously, to the, uh, to the theme of this week's show, which is episode 77. Another three, and we'll probably be in season four, I guess, which will be quite interesting. So hopefully you'll be back, because obviously with the time change back in Australia, well, it's not changing for you, but it's changing for us this Sunday. We're going, we're losing an hour, so we'll be, you'll be an hour ahead. You'll, you'll be 9 a.m., so that's way too early, and uh, way too late in the morning, sorry, for you to, to, to participate, like last year, really. So we'll probably see you in, uh, in the spring, maybe again, for more, for more Aussie input. Let's hope. Let's hope indeed. Um, well, breaking news in the UK, no PM has resigned today, which is quite unusual. There's a lot of prime ministers going at the moment. Um, right, on that note, or not on that note, let's get to the theme. Now, we have had uh, a regular, fairly irregular recently, but we had a few guests come on, listeners, viewers, friends, uh, come on to, to name their 20 favorite songs what we call the desert island songs. so if you're trapped on a desert island which are the 10 or 20 songs that you would not you couldn't do without really assuming you got electricity and a you know and a turntable um and a copy of your new release no doubt tucked away there somewhere behind a tree for <laughs> for a rainy night um yeah well that's what we're going to do tonight. You you have suggested, you've worded it slightly different, but it might be along the same route. We'll see. We'll see what you're going to say. You've suggested like a time capsule thing. So you've got 20 songs in a time capsule so that if, if people then, the world forgets what rock and roll is or what rock is, then you could educate them by telling them about these particular 20 songs and why they're good, why you like them. Is it is it a question of just ones you like then, or is it have you been quite sort of um, uh, what's the word not not subjective, but being quite uh, specific music using your musical knowledge? That's what we like on this show with you, yeah, a bit of technical knowledge, um, the aesthetics of it rather than the the personal preference. If you see what I mean, I don't know how you worked it out. You tell me. Well. Naturally, I'm going to have a bias, but uh, yeah, you, you, you've um, you, you've got it there. I did try to be a little bit impartial. Uh, I couldn't go with uh, just what are my 20 uh, Desert Island songs because I don't have 20. I'm far too much of an aficionado. And <laughs> frankly, the idea of just having 20 songs to remind me uh, of of the best rock and roll would horrify me. I would rather have a copy of Beethoven's Fifth or something, you know, okay. and then just and, and that would be it, you know. Whenever I felt like listening to some music, on goes Beethoven's Fifth, you know, <laughs> rock listening to like the last twenty songs that that I own on a on an island of, of rock and roll. That uh, well, I'll, that start, I'll start off with just uh, roll over Beethoven by Electric Light Orchestra. Actually, that's. Uh... It's got a bit of Beethoven's fifth in it, but that is a classic cover version, actually. I think. Yep. So it's it's more about okay, uh, what what is rock and roll? What was great rock and roll? And obviously, there are, there's maybe a 
a technical element and a, a cultural element. So the, the technical element, if, uh, if it's possible for something not to be cultural and only to be technical, mm-hmm. is the, uh, the, the raw elements of, of rock and roll or, or perhaps just rock because rock and roll itself, the first wave of rock and roll, is something different to the rock that happened with the British invasion. Okay. So what happened uh, with the British invasion was there was this uh, there was this hardening of the beat. Like, not that uh, there aren't rock songs that don't swing or don't have swing to them, but the swing was kind of stripped out and it kind of it straightened. It kind of had had drive rather than swing. That's probably the best way to describe it. When you say uh, the and, British invasion, sorry to interrupt you there, Austin. Yeah. Um, are you are you talking? You're talking like the sixties. You're talking, yeah, the, uh, the sixty three, sixty four onwards time. That period of time. Okay, fair enough. Exactly. That is the transition from rock and roll to rock. Okay, right there. So this and, this given us is chronological. Knowing you, is it? Well, yes, it is because yeah. that was the that was the only way that I could whittle it down to twenty. Uh, I had to had to put some, yeah, had to, had to put some uh, some some hard limits around things. Otherwise, I would have just had way too much choice and and just would have been lost in the in the thicket. One uh, of these limits is no doubt nothing post nineteen eighty three. So maybe we'll come to that. Con- conveniently, uh, the British invasion started in sixty three, yeah. and if you have 20, uh, 20 you know annual chronological selections that takes you up to 1982 so that was that was perfect (laughs) excellent excellently worked out yeah 2020 was a great number colin (laughs) so um chronologically then what what have we got have we got anything then prior to this british invasion or you're just sticking starting with that sticking with the british invasion because then like if we talk about the origins of rock and roll then uh, look, everything is a continuum. Even, even the stuff that, that I've selected reaches back to uh, prior uh, influences and um, you know cultural artifacts, um, art and entertainment and whatever. So, like nothing's in a vacuum. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, look, it, it probably would have it probably would have confused the matter rather than clarified it if I'd if I'd included that first wave of, of rock and roll because, frankly, uh, that stuff doesn't really sound a lot like what came after it. Whereas the uh, the, the British invasion does sound a lot like what came after it. Um, so there is I'll there's probably a more solid kind of continuum there. Oh, that so, all makes sense. All makes sense. So the other the other uh, rule I had was uh, no more than one band mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in any of the selection. That uh, that kind of kept things a little bit straight. You know, it wasn't going to be the Beatles from sixty three to sixty nine or whatever. Um, Who would do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so no more than no more than one song by any particular artist. Yeah. In the t- so I, that's always so that, a good the, thing, I think. Spread it that, that challenged me to think about uh, having songs that maybe were not the biggest song by an artist, but uh, the most representative. Okay. Um, and I favoured 
bands over solo acts because rock and roll really is um, about bands. Um, and I favoured shorter songs over longer ones. You know, if I could, if Get I could get 20, 20, yeah, I, like I'm not going to throw in yes close to the edge. You know, that's okay. like that. Well, thank somebody, goodness for that. Somebody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I thought about it, but, um, or even round, roundabout, that's an eight minute song. But that's long too, that, that sort of thing would probably confuse like a, a listener a hundred years into the future. It would probably mm-hmm. confuse them rather than educate them because then they'd kind of go, well, what? what is this about anyway so that was that that was something else to consider as well like having representative tracks um that were too kind of stylistically diverse probably would uh confuse the matter like if you have like uh songs that have got lots of different uh outside influences then it becomes hard to to understand perhaps what rock and roll actually is. So I was, I was also kind of looking for a spirit in, in, in these songs. I, I didn't go too soft for the most part. It was more like stuff that, that rocks. When you say something rocks, it's yeah. generally kind of, you know, it's got like a higher energy. So, yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing about rock, uh, rock music is there is this kind of like vital energy to it. And so, Tracks that had that vital energy, that drive—that is—that is, that is a, uh, a quintessential characteristic of of rock music. Okay. Um, so I think I've probably talked enough about yeah, the, the, a good the, intro. Well just good intro. Dive into it. So we start in '63. Are you doing one West, from each year? Yeah, one from each year. '63. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like obviously, with the Beatles, the British Invasion coming, whether you would plump for anything by the Beatles from that era. Or go for something a, a latter day one. Yeah, so that that was a really hard decision, but uh, I, I think you have to uh, consider their appearance on the Ed Sullivan show. What was the what was the big song that uh, that was on the Ed Sullivan show? It was uh, if uh, I'm- well, they had all my loving. I think it was the first one that he performed, and then uh, yeah, I want to hold your hand probably. Wow. Okay. Um, the, February the that- February sixty four. Yeah, the fourth comes to mind, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things there, but I think the one that that has the the biggest legend in retrospect, uh, so much so that they referenced it at the end of uh, All You Need Is Love. So of course I'm talking about She Loves You. She Loves You. Yeah, and it's of their early singles. It's uh, it's got a nice fast pace. It's got an interesting chord progression. Uh, it's got uh, that kind of interesting uh, uh, harmony or the, uh, the 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 cadence at the end where they kind of finish on the uh, on the six chord. That's been talked about a lot. How yeah. she loves you finishes on the the six. George Martin. Uh, Hated that, I think, first, didn't he? I mean, yeah. It's, like, so, yep. it's so corny, maybe, or it's so, or jazzy. Was it jazzy? Yeah, or something. Yeah. Just, yeah. or, or it, like it kind of, it's like, uh, like in terms of cadences, it was like a, a like a, an unfinished, unresolved cadence. Like it just kind of hangs there. It's, it's kind of suggesting the four chord, uh, which quite frankly is, is very rock and roll. <laughs> mm. um, and, 
there, there was also a lot of uh, uh, talk about, uh, or at least back in the day, about uh, the the vulgarity of yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't even you know, like saying yes. It was this kind of yeah. That, uh, that's another thing, probably that George Martin was commenting on. He's very straight laced, George, wasn't he? Bless his uh, God rest his soul. Well, and all he all was, that. you know, he was probably uh, you know. Uh, not so different from uh, many people of his generation. So there, there were a lot of things that were uh, perhaps um, maybe not shocking, but quite jarring. And yet it's in this really, really catchy, compelling uh, kind of package. So like mm-hmm. I can imagine that there would have been a lot of love, hate, uh, from from the older generation when this came out, it's like wow, these guys are good. They're really, you know, vibrant, dynamic, but oh, terribly uncouth. You know, yeah, it was it Bulgarian. was so. I mean, obviously, I wasn't very old at the time. I was, um, although she loves you is your first song that you're choosing, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it it was the first seven inch vinyl single that I owned. There you go. It was bought for me, obviously. I was only about four when it came out. Uh, it was it was like the end of a run of singles in the US that just, they weren't really interesting. Nah, not Please Please Me, From Me To You, She Loves You came out. No, didn't weren't really interested in it, capital. Um, it's only when I Want To Hold Your Hand came out in November, December time that... They said, well, you can't turn this one down. You cannot turn this one down. And it was after Kennedy had been assassinated, uh, November the 22nd or 21st. Funny enough, I was having that discussion with Shaggy before before the show, talking about that date, because um, I'm not going to be available on the podcast that week. Uh, the 22nd of November. And I think maybe the Americans just took to something new, something British, something English. You know, he's vibrant, as you said youths with long hair something different take their mind off everything and and that was it and that, of course eventually in the beginning of 64 it was it got to number one over there but she loves you was the one here an electric probably still now well it would definitely be in my top 10 of all all time i would say but uh from an, a personal level of course it was the first one i ever had as a single so i had to thank my mum for that probably my dad didn't have a clue what was going on but my mum got it Took us to see them live as well in '65, um, but two two minutes so electric sound, something you'd never really heard of before. These four kids singing. There wasn't a lead singer. They were all playing their instruments. They were writing certainly all their singles. They wrote them all, and eventually, yeah. of course, all the album tracks as well. Something that you just didn't have. You didn't didn't have a lead singer, which is something else which was unusual. It was all, it was like um, Johnny Kidd and the Pirates or Cliff Richard and the Shadows or, or to name but two. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm. And, and if you, you were, if you were talking to, uh, if you were talking to your, you know, uh, audience, you know, a hundred years in the future, Cliff Richard and the Shadows and Johnny Kidd and the Pirates wouldn't mean anything to them either. But, no. here, but here you have, you know, this, this one example of, okay, you know, like the, uh, you know, the, the, the early 60s pop music that that is, you know, a representative of, of all that sort of thing. So it's kind of a stand-in, if you will. Well, if mm. you liked this track by the Beatles and you wanted to, you know, 
mm-hmm. uh, do more archaeology, then you know, check out Cliff Richard in the Shadows or something. Even the but little I, intro with Ringo just on the drums at the start. I mean, you, you know yeah. what the song's going to be straight away, and I'm sure it's one of those other songs that Ringo performed exceptionally well on the drums. He gets a lot of panning, um, but he was, well, as John Lennon said, <laughs> people ask when it when asked. I'm sure you know the quote. Uh, is Ringo yeah, really not even the best drummer in the it's not, yeah. not even the best I mean, like the that was probably even just it an offhand a t- cheek remark yeah, yeah I'm sure but it's been but that little album. so just Bullshit. talking about Ringo and that the uh the, the the triplet riff she loves you yeah 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 you know that yeah, yeah. is like it is a great little riff great little yeah, his own you know, style rhythmic Ringo and you know you don't you don't hear that sort of thing too often. It was very very daring, and I can't even think of another example of it uh, from that era, mm. which just kind of goes to show that even back then they were uh, you know like flexing their uh, their you know th- their, their creative muscles uh, in, mm. in ways that their peers weren't. So anyway, no, I considered good. I considered I want to hold your hand, and you know I like I. I thought about the historical context of that and I thought, well, she loves you, you know, was also huge and it's probably a better representative because of, of all of the elements that we've just discussed. So yeah, yeah. that was the one. Personally, I, I, I think I prefer she loves you over. I want to hold your hand, but I want to hold your hand was the, the one that really made them big in the States. And then obviously they went stratospheric after that. That's when all the big mania started wasn't it well she loves you started the, with the beetle mania really certainly in the uk um and one other thing before we move on on, on to the next track then was you mentioned the word cadences i always think of john Lennon with the aeolian cadences someone described one of the tracks on with the beatles which came out roughly the same time as i want to hold your hand actually their second album over here um i think it was probably called meet the beatles over there and it was their first and all the tracks were jumbled up a little bit um yeah, someone said this song. Yeah, the Aeolian, the Aeolian cadences were were impressive. As John Lennon quotes, Aeolian cadences sounds like exotic birds to me. He said, <laughs> which which is probably Lennonish as well, wasn't it? Hmm. Anyway, she loves you. What a good start. Yeah, yeah. So nineteen sixty four. Yes. Uh, and well, there was a pack uh of uh rival contenders uh, to the beatles um and the uh the, the track i've gone with is uh is probably the one that i think uh started um the uh started the concept of riffs in rock and it's uh by the kinks and it's you really got me you really got me okay and so there's a few uh, things that are, are quite distinctive about this uh, this song. One is just that uh, kind of brutally simplistic guitar riff, and not only the the riff but the sound. Um, I can't remember. It's like uh, it's been a while since uh, I, I I read about this stuff, but. Um, there, there are all sorts of uh, um, things that bands were resorting to to kind of get um, a distorted sound to to add drive and 
um, a, a, a sense of power to their the recordings. Um, mm-hmm. The Dave Clark Five had a had a baritone sax providing you know a, like low end support for their riffs, and I think the Kinks. Can't remember if it was the Kinks or the Who that slashed their speakers, their their um, amplifier speakers, in order to get a heavy sound. But I I rather think either. that yeah, I, I rather think that what we're hearing on you really got me is not the sound of like slashed speaker cones, but um, but probably some kind of um, uh, primitive uh, circuit, what they call a stomp box or a you know a distortion box or something. Um, I'll have to, I, I, I wish I'd had more time to, to uh, research this and remember what it was. But either way, uh, it is a really like gutsy, like overloaded guitar sound um, and probably also quite uncouth and offensive to the uh, sensitivity sensibilities of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, the, the way the... Uh, the, the the way the uh, the, the the riff moves uh, in, in terms of the the structure of the song, it kind of plays the riff like four times, and then it moves it up a up a tone, and then moves it up a fourth. So okay. it it's kind of a little bit unconventional. Um, it it sort of defies the. Uh, the, the, the usual choices of one, four, five, which I, I guess make a little bit more uh, sense in, in terms of pure harmony, because there are there are natural laws to harmony uh, in, in terms of um, like how how the physical waveforms relate to each other mathematically. Uh, that that really dictates uh, why uh, the fifth is the is the strongest interval. Uh, in the in the scale, for instance, uh, and so what the uh, what what the Kinks did with that um, uh, w- with that movement with that structure, and you really got me is uh, is almost kind of subverting expectations and then resolving them. Okay. So it's a, it's an interesting device, uh, and it uh, it's an effective device. It it's it's another short, you know, short sharp like you know gut punch of a song and then it's gone and it's over and it's got it's got this raucous guitar solo which i mean has been argued about was it jimmy page was it not jimmy page um it's i I, if i was jimmy page i I would probably be distancing myself from it because it's frankly uh pretty uh pretty sloppy and uh badly executed but it's got the right it's got a lot of energy it's got the right kind of energy but uh, i mean not much musicality, quite frankly. Um, it's it's just rude. It, it's a rude guitar solo for a Dave rude Davis. Solo. Then presumably it's Dave Davis. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that that's what if I would think. Not, if it's not um, it's not Jimmy Page. I think it's been proved proven yeah. that it, it wasn't him or something. But one one no, of the people he, that claimed he, it was he, was he did play on the track, so he probably played the rhythm part. He, oh, was, okay. he was a session. He was a session yeah, musician. Uncredited sessions. Yeah, one of the people that said he did play the guitar solo then was John Lord, I think, of Deep, as would be Deep Purple, who also claimed he played piano on the track. That's probably not true either. I don't really know. Is there much piano on it? Uh, right in the back, I think, like at the back of the mix. Um, 
I'm just looking at piano here. Oh, it says Arthur Greenslade on piano. There you go. Yeah. With it's Bobby Graham on drums. Uh, Mick Avery was on the tambourine. There you go. Mm. So, uh, yeah. The, Classic the rocker. You really got me. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it inspired a lot of what was to come, some of which I'll, uh, I'll talk about. I'm on to, yeah. The, the so, riff was so good that they they almost used it again and all day and all of the night, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> very similar. Well, they, yeah. They, they used, they, they reused the, uh, the, the structure that I talked about. So mm. the, the one, two, five, uh, movement uh, that that was what uh, what uh, got reused in all day and all of the night. Mm. So moving on Love to nineteen sixty-five. Oh yeah. Love it when so you do get I. Yes. <laughs> right, sixty-five. The Rolling Stones. I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing which song this will be, and and the artist. You've said it already. The Rolling Stones. I'm guessing, and you're talking about riffs. Are you going to talk about satisfaction, Bonnie Charles? Of course. And, and yeah, that was okay. this was definitely a stomp box. It was a uh, Gibson. Um, we talked about it only a couple of weeks back, uh, and a, a, another one where it was just a real earworm of a riff. Um, and I think this time around, uh, quite uh, intelligent lyrics, uh, very kind of uh, like socially observant. Um, like societal decay and, um, you know, uh, the young male frustration, <laughs> perhaps. Yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, and uh, that's, that's very, very topical, especially for the 60s. A lot of uh, 60s was a, a decade of uh, a great unrest. Um, and I don't think that the, uh, the, Prior to tracks that, uh, that that we've just talked about really illustrate that in anywhere near the the, the way that uh, that uh, the Rolling Stones did with Satisfaction, and it catapulted them out of the the pack of uh, like rivals to the Beatles to to being the rival, uh, and they followed the Beatles into uh, that kind of exploration of, of psychedelia uh, that was um, the, the combination of uh, studio effects uh, flanging and flipping the tape backwards and all that sort of thing uh, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, world music influences, sitars and, and such. Uh, so they, uh, that they really announced themselves with this one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, think we had this discussion when um, I can't remember what we were talking about, why, because I'm sure you mentioned satisfaction before. Um, and yeah, what we, I don't forget which podcast it was, but um, yeah, well, that wasn't their first number one single. Yeah. I made that uh, mistake last time. I thought, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I, but I, yeah it, it prob- I was, I'm with you though, in that it probably was the one that went, that was massive. Probably the only one that was number one in both sides of the Atlantic for a start. I think that's probably what um, you were referring to. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I suspect that's probably what it was uh, from. Yeah. From I thought that there was, there was some milestone that, that, yeah, that yeah. it, uh, it, that it was. I think it's all over now was their first number one. I think even the last time 
was before it, wasn't it? Because that was yeah. that was their first number one single, first single probably that they wrote themselves. So this wasn't even that, but mm. it did propel them, propel them globally more more than the other ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now the next uh, the next few years, next five or six years, well, I don't know, perhaps even the rest of the list really uh, <laughs> gets really hard because uh, it's like, well, who do you keep in? Who, who do you leave out? Um, and and what do you choose? So, uh, like, there was so much happening. By by sixty six, sixty seven, sixty eight, that that it became really tricky. So with this one, I went with the Beach Boys because they they really are a a cornerstone act. Uh, and okay. uh, by by this by this point, you're starting to run out of uh, options. <laughs> like so somewhere from like sixty sixty three, sixty four to sixty eight. Like if if you know if you take out. Uh, Take out all of the options for the Beach Boys. You've pretty much lost uh, that their best work. Um, so sixty six. I can guess the song. And- I think. Okay, what do you think it is? Well, I, I, there's there's one of one of two, um, but I'm 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 plumping surely for Good Vibrations. I almost went with Good Vibrations. Oh, okay. Is it God only knows? It's God only knows. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's the one I would have chosen. Actually, God, I love that. It's one of the greatest. It is, and it's ever. Like, it, it it kind of has that uh, uh, I don't know brill building uh, level of quality to it. It is just sublime songwriting, um, such a mature lyric, uh, and and real kind of uh, kitchen sink. Uh, music arrangement. Uh, it just it's it's so swampy, and then it's got that kind of bizarre bridge. It's one of those one of those selections where I went. If you put it in, you you might be confusing the audience about what rock and roll actually is. But uh, if you only <laughs> if you only choose you know one or two, maybe uh, it serves to illustrate the uh, the breadth and scope of, of of what was being done. And I think. Uh, the 60s by 66 uh, lots of experimentation the the revolver album you know uh uh pink floyd's uh debut album was just around the corner and uh jefferson airplane and you know lo- lots of lots of real kind of uh, broadening of horizons. Yeah. So I think God only knows. Pretty much, yeah. it, like it ticks. It ticks a bunch of boxes. It introduces you to the Beach Boys uh, and and their superb harmonies and uh, musical sophistication, um, while still really kind of showcasing the uh, the, the basic elements of, of rock and roll because there is a lot of uh like drama and it's still got you know that basic rock and roll element the backbeat did i talk about the backbeat the backbeat occurred uh uh first around 1955 like with the emergence of of 
you know, the original wave of, of rock, rock and roll. And roll. Yeah. And it pretty much, it, it appeared overnight, just came out of nowhere and bang, it was, it was there and everyone started using it. And then it's become a central part of, of, uh, of what rock music is. So that by the backbeat in, in pretty much every other genre of music, uh, the, uh, the pulse is most dominant on the first beat, on the one. And in rock, it's on the two and the four. So that's that's what yeah. that's what backbeat actually refers to. It's 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 the kind of it's the offbeat, if you will. One, yeah, yeah. two, three, four. That's rock and roll. Mm. That's rock and roll right there. So you know, uh, as opposed to say, I think you may have just said it uh, like reggae. It's like one and three, is it? Sort of ding, 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 ding. Is that yeah. is that an oversimplification of it all? I mean, reggae's got it. Uh, got a lot more to it than just that but pretty much every other every other style of music uh the the the, the dominant beat is on the one mm-hmm. okay uh yeah, so I if it, if, if the dominant beats on two and four it's it's borrowed that from rock and roll okay that's that that's what it is that the, the backbeat uh emerged at the same time as rock and roll and, and basically is a defining characteristic of it rock and roll owns it I love everything uh, about that song. I mean, the French, French horn, I assume, is it at the start? Bringing yeah. it in. As you say, the lyrics. Oh, oh yeah. Just, Brian just Wilson. A, a wonderful, wonderful song. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll move on. Uh, yes. 1967. Again, uh, lots of really, really tough choices. And then who do you, who do you have think- as representatives of the era? I'm going to pluck. I'm going to pluck for you here. <laughs> Sixty-seven. This is quite interesting. Seeing who you might pick. I'm thinking you might be veering towards Hendrix, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> okay, and the song. Um, Purple Haze. You can do the list for me. <laughs> That's exactly what I chose for 1967. And again, so. A really dominant guitar riff, which uh, I, I think was uh, uh, like first, um, you know, like the, like first set the example uh, for by uh, the Kings. You really got me, um, and it's it's fast, it's energetic, it's it's. I believe it's again the song that broke Jimi Hendrix uh, commercially. Uh, to to a wide audience, uh, it, it's quite significant. It's short, it's punchy, it's got some studio trickery with the uh, the guitar solo at the end. Like he's got a reg- guitar solo at regular speed, and then he's done another gu- uh, guitar line with the te- tape slowed down, and then you know sped back up for playback. So it's kind of this almost like very fast toy guitar kind of sound at, at the mm-hmm. end. Uh, and obviously, uh, if you know Hendrix, you know that he did a lot of tape machine experimentation, uh, tape speed, flipping the tape backwards, tape flanging, all of that kind of stuff. So, um, very and you much- can hear him, and you can hear him cough or clear his throat before he starts singing a song as well, which is left in. There you go. So a bit of a 
bit, bit of West. swagger, a bit of bit of devil may yes. care attitude. Absolutely. Just looking at it, it was certainly it was his first hit in the US. Uh, but none of his songs, I know it's none of his singles, and he did have many hit singles. Uh, I can only count eight here. And the highest position he got was 20, uh, which was yep. the cover of um, Dylan's All Along the Watchtower. Yeah, yeah. So he may not have been big on the charts, which uh, kind of belies his uh, cultural significance because mm. he was, in terms of the... Um, An album artist, the, maybe. The, yeah, the, the collective psyche, he was massive. He was, he was a mm. massive influence on the musicians that came after him like he was one of the, sometimes you get uh, you, you get a musician who comes along or a band that comes along and just puts everybody on their ear and they go nothing's ever going to be the same and, and he was one of those he was, he was where, where would you have him in the in the list of all-time guitarists then top three top three okay yeah, I'll, save I mean, between, top, I'll save the other but, two for another podcast with you because yeah. we did do it. I think we, we, we did that. So, yeah, Hendrix, Van Halen, yeah. and then perhaps, you know, Jimmy Page. You know, there's there's probably four or five that could, you know, that could go into that top three, but but, but those are my three. And, yeah, Hendrix just because of – Jeff Beck. Look, I mean, Jeff Beck is, is probably the greatest uh, electric guitarist alive. Eric Clapton's a, a huge influence, as, uh, uh, like uh, collectively a huge influence as well. But in terms of innovation, pure innovation at the time, uh, Hendrix. Hendrix, yeah. Okay. yeah he, he introduced so many techniques, uh, like playing techniques that had, had never been tried before uh, or, or at least not by, you know, somebody of, of, of his um, popular stature. Mm-hmm. Um uh, anyway, that's that's a that is a topic for another day. Another but, day. Uh, but he was he was a huge huge influence and just a very very significant artist. So he had to go in somewhere, and and that's where I caught him. Well, sixty seven had to be there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sixty eight then. Sixty eight. Okay. A bit more, a bit more tricky now. Sixty eight. Mm. It gets gets very tricky. Uh, I went with the Doors. Okay. Uh, and sixty eight really is. Uh, the the summer of love, summer of revolution. Uh, it's where the the cultural revolution really took off. You had uh, all of the rioting. Um, lots lots could be said about that. Uh, there was a lot of uh, experimentation, both with um, I guess uh, social rules and um, let's say. Uh, life experiences perhaps yeah uh, sex and drugs basically and and the doors were uh were, were right at the front of that um i think uh like just in terms of uh perhaps um like their their output their um that their their message um, what they were trying to say with their music uh, uh, about um, about what uh, what perhaps uh, the youth were, were were thinking about and and contending with and going through at that point, uh, and the song I've gone with, I don't think I've mentioned it. Touch me. Oh, okay. Uh, 
And this one is probably another one where it's uh, it's really uh, kind of out on a limb a little bit. Like there's a sax part in it. Uh, their instrumentation was very kind of idiosyncratic compared to uh, their, their peers. They didn't have a bass player. They had a, had this kind of organ sound that uh, that they used the, uh, the the pedals on the organ to cover the bass. Although I think they actually kind of tracked bass on the studio recordings a lot mm-hmm. as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it, it was one where it, it's it is it's a big song for them. Um, it's also another one that's kind of got uh, got that kind of upbeat tempo and it's and it's a bit punchy there were frankly a lot of doors songs that that i could have uh mm-hmm. considered i did consider roadhouse blues but then i thought you know it's actually um it's 68? one of those things was it uh, well? no roadhouse blues was was 69 i think um yeah. but I mean, like I could have, I could have considered it for sixty nine. Uh, oh, for right, absolutely. Mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If okay. I wanted to include the doors, um, and yeah, there were <laughs> there there were a lot of lot of considerations. Um, Touch me, yeah. I don't really have um, don't really have a lot of justification for besides uh, it's it's a good track and it's a, like it rep it's a good representation of. Um, of both the artist and and the time, um, even if perhaps it doesn't make the most sense. And I think it kind of when you look at this list, uh, you know, at the end of it, um, it will probably uh, it will probably fare better than than uh, how I'm trying to represent it at the moment, uh, which is that I don't have a lot of uh, don't have a lot of excuse <laughs> for it. <laughs> well, okay, it, 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 it will make sense there. when you get the rest. Of Rest of the songs, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've said this before. I got a pelters for it as well from from some quarters. But I mean, I like a lot of the door stuff. Uh, I, I, on the whole, though, I found them a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit dreary at times. I don't know. It's just sort of down, sort of depressing, sort of sounds that they had. Um, which, well, you know, if I put in right riders on the storm, it would have. Um it would have sunk the list. <laughs> Writer songs. So, the, or the the, uh, the other choices were maybe "Hello, I Love You" or yeah, that was this, that was that's quite a poppy one, isn't it? As well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I went, I went with "Touch Me." Yeah, yeah why it was, not? It was also, you know, consideration of what what were the Doors' big hits and and what uh, what slots in the best. Yeah, yeah. okay. The, Touch um, me then. Okay, so sixty nine. Mm. Yeah, uh, sixty nine. Getting into prog, maybe ish now, or well, yeah. yeah, kind of, kind of prog. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's that's that's pretty close actually. So sixty nine, I went with another American band, and uh, not exactly prog, but jazz rock. Uh, now. You probably jazz rock, probably the, the the two big bands you could uh, you could go with from the Woodstock era are uh, Santana, yeah. or these guys Chicago. Yeah. 
Oh, right. So, of course, yeah. Because yeah, you, you, you think of the middle of the road, 70s stuff, the soft rock, 70s and 80s that they mm-hmm. got into. Uh, yeah. But they were very jazzy, very funky, weren't they, back in the very yeah. late 60s? And, and they were they were, transit they were huge. Yeah, yeah they, they were huge. This this album uh, that the, the, the song is off was a double album uh, that hit uh, number one on the charts, was a massive seller. Uh, and uh, a, a lot of no, it wasn't no, right. Chicago. I'm talking about Chicago too. Oh, Chicago too. Okay. Yep. Uh, and the song's twenty five or six to four. Six to four. So Chica- right. Chicago two came out in 1970, but the the single uh, was, uh, came out in advance, so it was actually a you know, late sixty nine. So twenty five or six to four. It's another one that uh, that revolves around a riff. It's a slightly longer form riff than something like uh, Purple Haze, uh, which is, I think, maybe a one-bar riff. Uh, you really got me. Like, it, it is not even a, a one-bar riff. It's literally half-bar. Da, 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 da. Or, you know, <laughs> like, it's that it's that quick. And then uh, Purple Haze is da, 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 da. Okay, so you really got me as a one-bar riff. Purple Haze is a two-bar riff. Twenty-five or six to four is uh, is a four-bar riff. I won't I won't sing it out for you, but um, but you can uh, you can count it out for yourself. Um, and so the the whole verse, like the 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 head, and then the verse uh, go over the riff, and then it changes up for the uh, the chorus. Um, and that, good song. Good yeah, song. That, that that is that is it. And nice. look, yeah, I, I and mean, there's there's great playing. Uh, there's you know like a, a a fantastic horn arrangement, fantastic guitar solo. Uh, you know harmonies, uh, high tenor singing, lots of energy, um, enigmatic lyric. <laughs> lots 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 to love. It uh, it's a song that I. If I was going to have desert island songs, this uh, this is uh, and rock songs, this is probably one of them. It, it's just them. a song that it never it never gets old for me. Like I, I never get tired of uh, of this song. Um, it I, really is. It, is great. it fair to say then? I think this came out in late '69, probably then. So yeah, yeah uh, the, the the descending melody of do 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 um, of twenty five or six to four. Yeah, is very similar to George Harrison's "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" and Cream's yeah. "White Room." White Room and, as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah there's a bunch of bunch of songs that use that uh, descending motif. Yeah, that's been that's, talked that's about. The term. Yeah. That's the yeah. term I was looking for. <laughs> okay, and I, I remember reading. Uh, I don't know when I was reading it, but that a lot of people wonder what does it mean a twenty five or six to four and it was explained because I thought there might be some sort of drug reference in there, but you say, no, it's just about, he was trying to write a song or he's writing about someone who was trying to write a song, I think at 25 to four in the morning, or it could have been 25 or it could be 26 to four. You see, it's 25 exactly. or, or he's up in the middle of the night trying to trying to finish songwriting for the album. <laughs> he's yeah, ran he, out of things to say. Out of time. Yeah, okay. 
And he's resorted to stream of consciousness writing to, to finish the job. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great yeah. song, great song. They definitely very, changed Very, the very existentialist. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on to 1970. And uh, again, another American mm. artist. So... I, uh, I represented the the British invasion early on there, and then it's gone back to uh, gone back to the Yanks for uh, for a few of these. But don't well, worry, yeah, yep. the, the the Brits will be coming be back. back. Yep, yep. So nineteen seventy. Now here's here's another artist where I went. Well, you know, they were absolutely massive, uh, like world dominating, um, but it was only a fairly short window. So if you don't if you don't get in uh like with them through 68 69 you you're quickly running out of choices by 1970 so is it i'm trying who can this be american in 1970 uh i'm trying to think who they might be what about the the guests who Something bigger like that. than that, that, that and they're canadian oh okay fair enough um, much much bigger than we, the we can edit that bit out we can edit that bit out <laughs> <laughs> uh, much bigger than the guess who? Uh, no, no, go on, tell me. Uh, Credence. Oh, of course, yeah. I, I was thinking of them for 69 because that 69, they had yeah. three, which is very unusual, I think, these days. Or did Led Zeppelin do it? I can't remember. But in 69, Credence had three classic albums released. Yeah. As far as I can remember Bayou Country, Green River, and uh, William the Poor Boys. Yep. So they you would have had to have gone with, I mean, Fortunate Sun or Bad Moon Rising or Down on the Corner or like there's or even Green River so itself. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I went with, uh, I went with, uh, I mean, 1970 uh, is only one album, but it was their best album. Cosmos. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think probably the signature track, like the big single, uh, would be Who'll Stop the Rain. Stop the rain. Um, there are other songs I could have gone with here. Um, Up around the band is a great rocker, and I heard it through the grapevine was was massive. But you know, you you're Traveling either stuck with you. On there, Traveling Band was on there. Rocker. Yeah. So who who'll stop the rain? Um, just a like a great great pop song. Uh, does some interesting things. Uh, the uh, I think that the third verse, the 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 drums kind of break down a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's just it, it's a very very likable song from a very very likable band, and um, yeah, definitely, yeah, very country as well, isn't it? It's got a real yeah, it's a, a, a non-technical aspect, a very yeah. jingly jangly sort of sound to it. I mean, the intro even, yeah, ding, ding, yeah, exactly that that kind of country rock thing. I, I talked about artists who kind of. Uh, maybe aren't so commercially big, but uh, but influence the musicians around them. And there is a there is an artist here that isn't represented in the list, but was like that kind of influence on the bands that came after him, and that's the band. And music yeah. from Big Pink with um, "Take a Load Off," um, uh, the weight um, that uh, that song and that that album. Uh, for a lot of the uh, the, the uh, other bands at the time, 
that they they expected this massive shift. They thought this is where this is where rock and roll is going to go, and they all they all started emulating it. Um, and you can hear it in bands like The Faces and Free trying to do this kind of country rock back to the farm kind of thing. Even Elton John, um, Country Comfort, so and and the Tumbleweed Connection album. So huge, huge kind of influence. But the band themselves are, you know, perhaps compared to these other artists. Uh, nowhere near the same kind of profile. They're they're almost like a a niche. Like if you were, if you're talking about rock and roll to even you know young people today, you would talk about the band maybe in the you know the, the thirty to fifty range. After you talked about the you know the the, the top thirty acts, um, they were that they were a significant influence on on the landscape around them, but. Um, but I, I don't think huge, particularly in their own right, um, at least in terms of um, uh, just their, their, their longer-term influence. I've never, never come across uh, any of Classic Rock Twitter talking about the band, for example. Mm, Nobody, no, no, nobody's talking about them. Mm. Or, but the uh, you know the rock critics of old would probably you know like their heads would probably explode <laughs> if you mm. if you said that because of like the band they were such an important group mm. it's like well you know they 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 were but it was like an almost like an underground importance and then that country rock thing just like after a couple of years bang gone and so like that the influence kind of dissipated by about like 1972. So like, it's really, it's kind of like a really interesting kind of like sub phenomenon, sub Mm -hmm. like a little kind of sideline story. So maybe, maybe he'll stop the rain is, uh, as a little tip of the hat to that. Maybe. Yeah. Great song. Great song again. Well, great band. I love Credence. I love Credence and set the pathway to, I don't know, the likes of the Eagles and Poco and and what have you. Yep. Yep. Saw now, him live. Sim- saw him live a couple of years, well, two or three years back before the lockdowns and yep. stuff on Fogo. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I mean, fun enough, the the one that oh, a really really excellent gig. Um, not that I was surprised, but it was brilliant. It really was. Um, he, he could still do it. Uh, but the song that really got people singing along was the other rain song. Uh, have you ever seen the rain? Yeah, like that was on uh, what was, uh, was the, the follow up album. Um, not pendulum. Um, what was the uh, the um? Uh, uh, oh my god, nineteen seventy one. That they were kind Mardi of Mardi Gras. Ma- no, not Mardi Gras. No. Um, I have to look it up then. Oh, maybe it was pendulum. Um, but they uh, they they were past their prime by that point. I think the uh, the the internal tensions were starting to rise, and, and uh, Fogarty's material wasn't as consistent. I don't think. Um, Really, Cosmos is the like is the bumper crop. It's a classic. Yeah, it was yeah. Pendulum, by the way. Oh, there you go. Okay. So anyway, on to nineteen seventy-one, and now classic year. This this yeah exactly the rocks apex year, never a dull moment. Um, so had uh, had a lot riding on it. What I what I selected for this and mm. um, <laughs> oh my god. So it could have been something from T Rex, for instance, um, and, and T Rex were a, a huge influence and like massive for the day. 
So this one may be a little bit of personal bias showing through, but I went with Deep Purple. Okay. And I went with the track Fireball. Mm-hmm. Um, and cool. like massive driving, you know, like a heavy, fast, probably one of the fastest things they ever did. Uh, and the uh, the solo is actually like a bass, like a distorted bass solo. And so there's some really kind of gonzo wacky things going on in it. But there's also that whole like Hammond heavy rock, which started with, you know, Fire by Crazy World of Arthur Brown and went through with, you know, a whole clutch of bands, Atomic Rooster and Uriah Heep and, and, and uh, even kind of more broadly, uh, the, the whole prog rock scene as well. Yes, um, obviously had a lot of Hammond uh, keyboards in general. Um, so, and we were talking about the band's influence on the country rock thing. So there is actually a kind of a, a, a country rock um, song on the Fireball album uh, mm-hmm. called Anyone's Daughter and okay. sings about uh, uh, you're a farmer's daughter and, and whatever. So there's that kind of down on the farm thing again. Um, so it just goes to show how far that that whole uh, country rock thing uh, went. Um, and and then that was the last time Deep Purple ever tinkered with it. But Fireball, <laughs> the, the the song, song uh, yeah. yeah. I don't don't even know if it was a single as such, which isn't really important. I think that that the single that they had was a non-album track, uh, uh, "Strange Kind of Woman." But uh, but Fireball is just a great song. It on Wikipedia says it was the second released single from the album on the twenty fifth of October, but. Oh well, um, there you go. I, I don't didn't know, know whether or not it charted. It probably didn't chart or anything. It's it's not the sort of thing you would hear on radio. Nah. I, I don't think it's and it's nowhere near their their most famous song, um, or, or even you know like it's probably not even in their top five most famous songs. But it uh, it it. it, it it filled the uh, filled the role of, of, of like a, a number of jobs, which is kind of getting Deep Purple in the list. Um, the, the whole Hammond catchy. Rock thing, yeah, catchy, short, fast, um, just a, a great uh, great standard bearer for rock, rock and as rock. And it starts with the sound of an air conditioner being switched on. Apparently, <laughs> it does, and it. I mean, like the, it is. It's a great sound effect to start a song with, like air conditioner and then furious drums. <laughs> and it's so good. What oh, could it possibly so go wrong? Fireball, 71. Okay. Should we move on to yeah. 72? 72. Okay. You know, you yeah. said about, you know, if you've got an hour to educate people, we've had just a fraction over an hour now and we haven't quite got yeah, to I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking about like an hour's worth of music. Like, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Well, no having we said that, we can we can go through the others maybe a little bit quicker. So seventy-two. I think so. Yeah, seventy-two. Okay, so seventy-two could have been smoke on the water, but that was too long. So and you'd already uh, had deep purple. Well, I mean, I would have done something. You else would have had that instead of five. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So seventy-two. Yeah. Uh, I, more country rock, perhaps, uh, but uh, but also harmony singing and uh, a Canadian. Neil Young and Heart of Gold. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So there's uh that there's a lot to recommend Heart of Gold. One 
not least the fact that it's uh, it's just a great song. It's simple. Um, uh, it just it sounds so good, and, and the, there's nothing complex about uh, about the elements. It's just really, really well done. Um, uh, he's got got a couple of great backing vocalists there with uh, Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor, um, and timeless lyric. Yeah. So, and another one where I could uh, I could arguably settle for it as a as a de- desert island song because um, it's it's something that I probably would never get tired of. Uh, I mean, I, I get tired of it for a week, but then I go, oh yeah, I could put that on again. You know, um, it's it's something that uh, that if I've got an acoustic guitar, I'll play for people and people will sing along. It's it's one of those kind of songs. And it was a number yeah. one in the US. I well, there you, there you go. You know, yeah, got, it, it uh, was it was a hit here too, but I'm not quite sure how. Got it's a lot to recommend. Number it. one, yeah, yeah, and and seventy two is another one of those uh, years that uh, there's there's a lot of uh, heavyweight um, competition around it. I had to. Uh, had to really uh, choose carefully with that Tell one. Tell me but, about uh, it, because we were originally thinking of have a 72 singles show this week. Mm, that oh, might yeah. be next week now. If you've I, got a list, well, we, we, send it to me, and I'll, I'll well, add them on the end next week. We did a, we did a 72 albums show, yes. so I already had an idea of, of what I, I had an idea of the singles, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, now obviously there is a band that's been MIA through this, uh, through this whole um, uh set of years and you know which one it is so 73 and i've always said about uh, about this particular song if i was going to introduce somebody to this band it would be with this song and it's over the hills and far away by led zeppelin and once again it's nowhere near uh you know one of their most popular songs but it is it's a great song that's not too long and kind of like crunches all of their elements or, or, or their most significant elements together. It's, it's almost like a, a shortened upbeat stairway to heaven. It kind of has this kind of acoustic start and it builds into like a, a like a big rock track. Um, and, and, and then does some kind of like weird proggy thing just after the guitar solo and then <laughs> finishes, you know, like uh, real with this elegant fade out. Um, it's uh yeah, it's a wonderful song. It's um, uh, like I, I've described it as my my secret weapon for uh, for introducing people to to Led Zeppelin and getting them to like Led Zeppelin if they'd never heard Led Zeppelin before. Um, and that's on the Houses of the Holy. Holy. That's the Holy album, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I did tell you. Yeah, but seventy. So seventy three. Oh, I must have missed yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which yeah. is the album that Houses of the Holy track wasn't on, which is odd, isn't it? Because. Uh, it was too, too similar. It was too similar to uh, Dancing Days, which Jimmy Page wanted to keep wanted on the album. On the album. Yeah, <laughs> it's like why did he call the album Houses of the Holy? Like he, he could just like just not confuse it Dancing Days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Why not? Yeah, it should have been the, the album should have been called Dancing Days. But anyway, yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's okay. move on. Seventy four. Now we've done we've done seventy four. What a wonderful wonderful year that was! Um, so much great stuff uh, in seventy four. 
Um, Things were changing a little bit here anyway. I know that for the, the glam of 71 through T-Rex, the king of glam, Mark Boland, and you at Bowie, uh, Sweet Slade, uh, Wizard, all those bands. Yeah. 74 started to see a little bit of a change. I don't just mean the Wombles, who <laughs> had uh, more chart weeks in the UK chart in 1974 than any other act, the Wombles. Did you get the Wombles down now? Down yes. Under? Yes, we did. Yeah. You did? Yeah. Okay. Well, so we'll leave it there. <laughs> 74 was pretty much a three-way between um, Quo's Down, Down, um, Backman Turner Overdrive, You Ain't Seen Nothing, nothing yet, yet, or or this band. And I went with this band because uh, I think – uh, they well, I mean, they're certainly bigger in the states, um, and probably there's a little bit of uh, classic rock Twitter bias because they have a huge, huge classic rock Twitter following. So, it's uh, if you haven't guessed by now, it's Leonard Skinner, Leonard Skinner and Sweet Home Pete Alabama. You'll be happy, yeah. Sweet Home Alabama. Look, it's um, that there's kind of a, a reference to Neil Young, which kind of shows um, perhaps the, um, uh, the the ferment because artists did uh, listen to each other and reference each other in their songs, you know, the Eagles and, and Steely Dan, for instance. Yes. Um, and look, it's got, frankly, Sweet Home Alabama has got some ripping guitar work. And a great mm. guitar solo. So uh, it was probably it's probably the guitar work that uh, that tipped it for me. Actually, um, yeah. So Sweet Home Alabama was was uh, my choice for seventy four, and not the twelve bar blues of um, the Quo. Oh, down down isn't twelve bar blues. Down well, down. I just I think mean, of th- Quo being twelve bar blues, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they they do do a lot of that stuff. So uh, both down down and you ain't seen nothing yet are kind of like. Uh, kitchen sink, like hodgepodges of rock cliches, things that had kind of turned in. I mean, the, the, the way the, the, the way they do those, uh, Quo does those like chromatic shifts up to the next part in, dun, in Down dun, Down. Dun, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so and, Quo, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, like the, both songs are catchy as all get out and, mm. you know, so I talked about savage cuts. <laughs> it was yeah. really, hard. Tricky, it was really yeah. hard not to choose like both of those, not just one of them, but both mm. of them. Like, oh my god! Mm. So can we have a top twenty-two? <laughs> well, if, anyway, if you're having one from each of these years, then uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just oh, picking man. one song from these years must have been tricky. It's brutal. And so this was a brutal, brutal cut. So anyway, there you go. That was that was my that was my dilemma for 1974. Trilemma. Okay, so moving on to 1975, and I want to talk about something else that rock does that that no other genre really does is it celebrates its own existence. It's like it, it is self-celebratory. Okay. And so I, I needed at least one or two songs that uh, that that uh, that do that. Um, like Led Zeppelin had done it as far back as '71 with you know, their song called "Rock and Roll." Yes. Um, and for 1975. <sighs> This, I mean, there, there are other songs that uh, that perhaps are better songs, but this song and um, the album that came off were um, epochal for 
for, for, for young teenagers. Like it's a song that turned young teenagers onto rock and, and the album is kiss alive. And, and the song that, uh, that, that uh, made it big on radio was the, 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 the radio edit release of, uh, of rock and roll all night. And it's it's a celebration of rock and roll, and that album cover is is just so iconic. It's like rock as visual spectacle, and the combination of um, just the the sheer catchiness of of um, and the anthemic nature of of, of uh, rock and roll nights chorus, um, and the whole the whole theme of it just. Um, that the, the whole kind of celebration aspect of it it's just such a wonderful wonderful song um and and it's the live version of this song yeah the light because i mean it's got it's got the energy and it's got a guitar solo like you can and you hear the crowd participating so it's got all of that okay so so 1975 kiss rock and roll night live right so um eagles had to go in here somewhere and uh, and one of these nights was my first choice for 1975, and I had to cut it <laughs> for rock and roll all night. So I went, okay. <clears throat> so it has to be something from Hotel California. And I've said of this song that um, if there was a song that was quintessentially 70s, it's this one, and it's Life in the Fast Lane. So again, uh, signature riff at the at the top of the the tune, and. Um, a, a song about kind of lifestyle excess, if you will, um, with a, a great band uh, at the top of their game, um, pretty much doing what they do best, really, the whole um, kind of uh, uh, social vignette that, uh, that Don Henley was so good at uh, and um, – just lots, lots more great guitar work because what's rock and roll without great guitar work? Uh, so all of that is in there. Was this a Walsh uh, song too, or was it a Fry Henley composition? I can't remember. Well, I think it's uh, it's Henley uh, and Joe Walsh because the riff is Joe Walsh's. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the authorship actually, but uh, but it's at the very least a Henley lyric and um, and a Joe Walsh riff. Others might have uh, had a hand in writing it as well. That's that's my guess off the top of my head. So mind you, 19- I, I guess on on even on Hotel California, did did Joe Walsh get a credit on that? Uh, did he? Could, Maybe Felder I, did. I don't know Felder because that was that was Felder's um, uh, chord progression. Yeah. Okay. Um, so 1977, lots to choose from again. Um, and look, 1976, uh, banner year as well. Uh, I, I had to cut, um, more than a feeling to, uh, <laughs> to get the Eagles in there. So yeah, another, another Savage One and Boston were a big band. So here's, here's another band that, uh, that were, uh, absolutely huge and dominated the second half of the seventies. Um, could have could have chosen a lot of songs here. Went with one that was short and upbeat. Uh, it's Fleetwood Mac and Don't Stop. And it's another one, another song. Colin, you were talking about the uh, the, the Beatles. Uh, she loves you. You couldn't really identify a lead singer. Don't Stop is is one of those songs where uh, the 
singers are alternating. It's like, well, which one's the lead singer? And, you know, they're, they're taking turns, they're harmonizing together. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, like a really, really uplifting song, uplifting message. There's a lot of their stuff was uh, about maybe the, uh, the, the, um, the darker side of relationships. Uh, they, they wrote a lot of, uh, a lot of breakup songs, a lot of bitter songs about, you know, the, the failings of relationships. And, and this is, is none of that. It's, um, it's, it's pretty much the most positive song they wrote. So I think it's, it represents the Mac in a, in a great light and it represents rock and roll in a great light. From not a bad album either, really. Yeah. From one of the, one of the greatest, greatest uh, rock albums of all time, really. So yeah, it's, um, it, it's wearing a lot of hats. I think, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it's a worthy inclusion there in the list. Okay. Um, oh. Yep. Nineteen seventy-eight. Again, <laughs> I, I'm starting to say this about uh, every year, but uh, my one of my all-time favorite years for for singles. Um, there's a band here that I think has to be represented at least by this point. That hasn't. Um, I missed. Uh, I missed them in 1975 with uh, with their most recognizable track. Uh, even though that is probably uh, not uh, the greatest representation of rock and roll. Here is Queen, and I'm cheating a little bit with this one. Uh, It's actually kind of two songs that play back-to-back. It's We Will Rock You, which again, you know, rock celebrating itself, and We Are the Champions, which um, is just a, a great celebratory anthem. Um, and uh, of course, some amazing writing here on both uh, counts. We will rock you with uh, with its like sheer minimalism mm. uh, uh, through to we are the champions, which is like uh, wow. Just um, I, I sort of read, uh, read somewhere recently as the voted the catchiest song of all time. Which we one? Are the champions. We are the champions. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, and it's got like 20 chords in it. Like it's just um, uh, like it's it's the Neapolitan ice cream of <laughs> of, of, of rock songs. Like it, there is a like there, there there are so many changes in it. It's it's a very very sophisticated piece of writing. Um, and yeah, Freddie Mercury uh, at the absolute peak of his uh, creative mastery coming out with this one like he, what what an extraordinary extraordinary talent so you know uh, uh other uh, people's personal opinions aside people we won't mention right now um, <laughs> but stinky queen, comes to mind queen, queen, <laughs> queen he's not has- alone actually I, I know a lot of other people that are just not queen fans i don't know yeah. i don't want the image it's freddie mercury himself i don't know or all yeah. the yeah, yeah, I think I'm yeah, sure. the it, fanfare. Uh, yeah, it, the the list would not have been complete without them on it. Okay, and so we get to 1979 and another band who. So what, before been... you go on to 79, just briefly, I know you you mentioned it too, and I know a lot of people in the states uh, I've spoken to on CW for a start recently uh, over well, over the last year or so. Yeah, coupling the two together, but in the UK. I mean, it was just an A and a B side of of a single. Uh, we are the champions. Was the A side? 
It might have been a double A side, I guess. We will rock you maybe on the other side. But it was we are the champions that got all of the uh, all of the airplay and the, the video and stuff. Uh, but we will rock you. If you hear it on the station in the US now, I think you probably find the two tracks playing together. That's, that's the way. That's the way. That's the way. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the way the radio stations uh, uh, so often do it. Uh, and look, they're they're very short songs, so it's yeah, kind of not long. True. yeah, like they're they're both you know just a, a scrape minutes, over two minutes five or minutes something. In total with two, I just thought, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I, I suppose I had a little bit of a thing about we are the champions and when it came out because I think it prevented rocking all over the world by status quo getting, <laughs> getting a bit of a bit of a, a stinky Pete with um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, preventing his favourite Christmas song by Greg Lake making number one and that, that's oh, what started it all off for him. I know it's, it's a bit sad, isn't it? You're a sad man, stinky Pete. I'm sure you're listening to this. Um, anyway, okay, Queen seventy nine. Okay, so Queen, Queen are in the list, Pete. The Queen. So, the so if if Queen are in the list, what British band, uh, which Titan have we not uh, had a look in with yet? Oh, in seventy nine. Not in seventy nine, but like rock and roll up to this point. Oh, who, who are the Who are the Titans of British rock? The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Okay. So. Another brick in the wall, no? It has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. One, it's, one of the, it's one of the few things they ever released as a, as a single, you know, as a single. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's nice, short and sharp, three minutes, um, and an extraordinary song. Quite frankly, mm. on, on you know, on many levels, the um, the, the lyrics, the guitar work, the production, uh, the the yeah, Whew. um, yeah, Pink uh, Floyd at number one was was a bizarre thing at the time. Yeah. I remember because they were uh, they weren't the singles it, band. Yeah, and, and the promo video, uh, obviously the the um. The, the movie it inspired the whole concept album yeah uh it was it was a it, it was really a big moment for pink floyd and uh and it kind of puts them it puts them in the pantheon in this list uh where they absolutely deserve to be um yeah with uh, it's not it's certainly not an uplifting track but it is a it's undeniably rock like it's got that it's got rock energy um it's got an attitude to it um and and so much more besides so it's it's um it's really kind of representing rock while also showing like a lot more of what rock was capable of being mm. so it was it was a surprise seeing them at number one i i think They'd only had a couple of singles in the chart. I'm pretty certain they had a couple of singles in the chart before that one. And in fact, the, the previous one was probably 12 years before. So it was mm-hmm. a big old gap, which when I was that age was a hell of a time, uh, which would yeah. have been to see Emily play, of course. And that, that did make the top 10. But 
uh, obviously another brick in the wall got to number one. In yep. between, in between number one, the police and the pretenders, I think, were number one either side of Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. I would ask you to guess the tunes, but it was "Walking on the Moon" and the "Brass in Pocket." Yeah, yeah. There for five yeah. weeks at number one as well. P- police were uh, and "Walking on the Moon" were um, that. That was if I could fit the police in. Uh, to to the the logic of this list, I, I would have. They were a huge band, and Walking on the Moon was, you know, one of those watershed tracks as well. But uh, uh, but Pink Floyd had to go in, and uh, and so the the police lost out. Um, you shoehorned them in over the police, right into seventeen. Sh- yeah, shoehorn is probably um, too cruel. I think Pink no, Floyd no, deserved no. to be in the list over the police. <laughs> yeah. The, so nineteen eight. 1980. Um, here's uh, here's another one where I, I had the dilemma of well, I haven't had this band and I probably should. And where do they go? And 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 which song uh, do I represent them with? And uh, and it's nice to have an Australian band uh, to um to to uh, be represented in the list. Of course, it's ACDC. Um, undeniably our uh, biggest musical export and uh, if we're uh, if we're in 1980 then it's the Back in Black album and uh, it's the song Back in Black which I I I don't even know if it was that was ever released as a single I I do know that uh, this is this is their um, uh, biggest song on Spotify most streams on Spotify and look I have always loved this track. Um, it's got great rhythm, like absolutely killer riff, um, guitar solo, unbelievable singing. When when people heard first heard Brian Johnson, like when when people per- first found out about you know Bon Scott's death, they were like, "Well, that's the end of them." That that that's the end of them because like who could follow Bon Scott? And then out comes Brian Johnson. Holy crap! You know, um, so it he, certainly he, wasn't a hit in the UK if it was released as a single, which I'd have thought it yeah. would. Have been. No, but like, what a song! Um, and and it it also is a is a tribute to a uh, you know a, like a, a departed talent. Bon Scott was a was a was a true rock and roller. Um, and hell of a character, and 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 so it it is kind of a um, you know it's it, it's it's a tribute um, to to like a, a a great great performer uh, and and wow what a tribute like the um, hence the bells at the start of the song that's that's hell's bells uh, at the start of the album yeah. There's no, there's no bells at the start. Like uh, back in black starts with the uh, the hi hat and the yeah, the guitar just like chinking. Yeah. yeah, it's like a ch- 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah, and then in it uh, was a hit in the US. It would appear twentieth of December entered the chart and made number thirty seven. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's in there and. Mm. Also, Pete would love it for mentioning it, but on the Rolling Stone list, it was number 258. 
Yeah. It be the 500 greatest songs of all time. Yeah. So 1981, and we've just talked about 1981. Um, and I didn't have this in my list because um, I uh, – uh, I saw the the Discogs release dates and went. Well, really, it was released in '82, but some some of the pressings were done in 1981. Well, I know um, what was so You do okay, and there is there is a kind of a like a, a, a retro feel about this song, like it it kind of it, it almost kind of harkens back to um the kind of I don't know. Well, it it, it doesn't actually kind of reference the '50s at all but there's just something in its energy that that feels retro there, there was definitely a like a, a like a retro aspect to it but it's also kind of punk as well mm-hmm. um but uh, above all of that it is you know great screaming rock it's not too complex it's got a great little kind of lyrical story it's i love rock and roll by joan jett and the black hearts yeah and it was it was a big yeah. It, it, it was a, it was a big hit and I, and again it's celebrating rock and roll so um it's it's a no-brainer to be in the list okay you know, like phil collins in the air tonight just would not have done the job <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah <laughs> so yeah in terms of like what 1981 produced and and what flies the flag for rock um yeah there's there's really uh, only one choice it's uh, Joan Jett. I love Black rock Arts. and roll. Yeah, Joan Jett. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, 1982. We haven't done a show on 1982, or I haven't done one with you, but uh, yeah. I have thought about the year quite a bit. Um, and it's not Toto Africa, although that could have been a choice. Yeah, just as uh, Journeys Don't Stop Believing could have been a choice for 1981. Uh, these mm-hmm. these songs that have become kind of slow burn anthems for uh, yes. for those respective years. Uh, this one, Toto, frankly, are a uh, are a minor figure in the. Um, well, I mean, Joan Jett didn't do much, but uh, she's an, that that song is definitely an exception. But uh, <laughs> this this artist was an absolutely massive artist, um, probably. Um, well, he was the, the biggest artist of 1982, and I went with the, the the track that is the most high energy track off um, this album, which was one of the biggest sellers of all time and it also includes a cameo by one of those um you know uh massively influential guitarists the guitarist was eddie van halen his uh, his bandmates obviously everyone knows the story didn't know that he was um uh he was doing this session until they heard it on the radio (laughs) and uh it's michael jackson's beat it beat it yeah yeah and well and you know uh, it also it's like there's a uh, consolation prize for Toto. It's got um, it got at least one of their band members, if not a couple of them, playing on the track. Um, uh, Steve Lukather is definitely playing rhythm guitar, and, and possibly Jeff Picaro would be drumming. I can't remember ex- the the exact uh, uh, studio lineup, but um, so there's a little bit of Toto in there. There's a bit of a uh, bit of Van Halen, and there's a whole lot of rock, and obviously uh, there's there's Michael Jackson. So um, uh, yeah, there it is, Colin. That's your, that's, that's your uh, twenty. Yeah, that's my that's my twenty. So it was was um, Van Halen on 
subsequent Michael Jackson songs. Maybe I'm getting confused with. Um, oh no, I'm thinking of um, on black or black or white. Uh, it was uh, was it Slash? Maybe it was Slash. He was on on the Dangerous album. Perhaps he, he performed mm-hmm. on that. Do you remember that one? That was probably about uh, eight or nine years after this. Those would be ninety-one time, I would guess. Yeah. But okay. Oh yeah. It was an excellent list. I mean, I, I would, how you managed to pick one song from each of these years, I suppose, as you pointed out at the start, it's so difficult that you had to have some sort of formula, if you like, to stick to. And once you've got that, then you have to, you just have to stick to it, don't you? Without hard criteria, like you just can't make those savage choices. Like no. it just becomes it, it it becomes impossible to get it down to twenty because then you go well why is this in here and not that and mm. like you 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 yeah you, know, you, you lose you, you lose your own argument if you don't if you don't give yourself that you know, that set of criteria if if it were if it were my list I think I probably would have had something in there from the glam rock era. I mean, you nearly went for T-Rex, uh, I know, in 71. I don't know what I'd have, but I'll be thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to have something in there from from that year. Whether, I'll tell you what I'd probably have in there, actually, would be Life on Mars, David Bowie. But I know you're not a great Bowie fan. Um, I would also tend, and I know, again, I know you're not a fan of, of this particular style of rock, but I would have to have something from the sort of punk era. Which in the UK at least was between, although the origins were, were a little bit before, maybe the Ramones coming up from the states uh, in the mid seventies, but I'm talking seventy late seventy six through to eighty, I would say. I mean, the police were in there, I guess, and you were maybe I'm an ahhing about the police, but yeah. they, they they were never really. I don't think they never really. They were called new wave, but were they weren't really punk, of course. Um, but and the two tended to sort of get a bit confused at times. Punk rock, yeah. new wave, not the respectable side of 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 punk, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, I, like again with those choices, like who who do you leave out? You know who 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 loses at the you know like. Um, um, well, I don't uh, know because uh, uh, I haven't done my twenty list. So uh, uh, whose expense yeah. do you include list. them? Like if you if you have a look at the, yeah. if you have a look at the like that list of artists, it's um like with one or two exceptions, it's a pretty ironclad list of of the greatest acts of all time. Um, so let's in your see. Twenty. Who, yeah, I mean. Yeah. yeah. With, with who, the, are the, who, who are the who are the like the, 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 like Joan Jett is probably yeah, the, most, say, the most the no most minor act. Maybe yeah. Joan Jett. But a classic. Jo- so Joan Joan Jett, and then probably the next most minor act, like. Like who do you pick? The Kinks, Leonard Skinner. I mean, they're like, yeah, they're, you know, like yeah, it's, maybe, it's a, maybe it, Leonard Skinner. I don't a, know. It's, it's, so it's like, like it's a like a scary list there. Like the very very big hitters, all of them. Um, so like the yeah, I can't argue the, with that. And the 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 police would have been at the bottom of that list if I had had the police. See, I would probably have the jam ahead of the police. From my own personal perspective, I would have thought, and and for their impact, I don't know whether I'd have something, something by the Ramones or by the Sex Pistols. You obviously couldn't have them all 
Yeah, so I, 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 I think I did a pretty good job of avoiding tokenism. Um, probably the most tokenistic selection there is is the doors touch me. Mm. But look, the doors were huge, so you know the the, the logic kind of dictates that uh, that they belong in there, <laughs> even though I struggle with that choice a bit. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, they they were huge. They were huge. I would say were they were they huge down uh, down under as well. They were. Yeah. I would guess they were much more huge in the states than they were here. Hmm. I mean, chart wise, I'm not sure that they uh, performed particularly well. But you know, a, a lot of artists don't. Well, no one does these days, of course. All the top artists just don't have hits anymore, do they? But back then, they did. I don't remember many. Even like my fire wasn't a massive, yeah. massive hit. And, and look, there's there is a whole kind of San Francisco scene from the from the mid to late sixties that included yeah. Janis Joplin and Jefferson yep. Airplane and uh, you know Crosby, Stills and Nash, and so like huge huge scene that like very very big artists and um, you maybe know, you should do a bit. pop list at some point as well. If we- Oh yeah, Look, that, rock that, and would, roll list. that that would be a really interesting list too. Because then, like, there's there's no Elton John here. No, I wondered whether there's, you were going to go Maggie May in '71. Then you yeah, came I, up with Deep Purple, obviously. I, yeah, yeah. There's no, and every picture tells a story. Was was one of the yeah, one of albums, your favorite albums. Yeah, and 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 Cat Stevens was huge, and you know, yep. and and and. Oh yeah, there were so but, many. But, but this this song is about rock. This, this, all, this it's album. all about rock. This, 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 this list. list is about rock. Yeah. Okay. Right. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you very much, then, Austin. It's a, it's a great list. It's and, been an absolute pleasure. Of course, by number one, she loves you by the Beatles. So it, it, what a classic start. Couldn't couldn't go wrong with that, really. Um, yep. L- like all of them. Like all of them. So I will. I don't suppose you'll be doing a playlist of those twenty songs. Oh. You might well do. You might throw one together. Of course I would. Yeah. You might. You might throw one together. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Obviously, I haven't got any people giving theirs. Uh, it's It was your show today. You give me your 20. I listened to it. Intriguing to hear your comments on all of them as usual with your, your expertise uh, and your, your, eye for, your eye for talent and good music. This is what we want. This is this is why you're on the show. This is why you're on the show. Um, but sadly, we won't be able to see you for a, a little while now, probably, while the clocks change. So it will probably be in the spring when you're next on. Um, but we can look forward to that. Maybe you can work on a pop list in the meantime. <laughs> and I'll just have to heckle you from the sidelines. Yes, keep coming. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we'll... we'll Aiming at the moment to do a 72 singles next week, rescheduled from this week. Stinky Pink's in Riyadh again next week, but he said he'll, he can do that one because, uh, yeah, he loves a bit of 1972. I know you probably do as well. Um, so if you want to just message me, uh, um, a bunch of your favorites, then, uh, whether it be 10, we'll probably do 10 each, I guess, with a few honorable mentions. No Steely Dan in your list here. I wonder whether they might they were a missing one. They're uh, they're not a top twenty band. No, not a top. And, 20. and 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 not not rock enough. More jazzy. Yeah, jazz jazz rock. I mean, 
I, I love Steely Dan to death, but I couldn't I couldn't find anything that would fit in this list. But Chicago's in there. Just sort of jazzy. Well, Twenty-five or six to four is a banger. Yes, <laughs> fair dues. <laughs> and and what a great time to write a song as well. Twenty-five or twenty-six to four in the morning. Yeah. Right, so that's it. Thank you very much, then, Austin. This podcast will be posted to the usual aura. Wherever you listen to your podcast, it'll be there. It's on Anchor. It's on Google Podcasts. It's on Spotify. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts. You name it, is there. Um, and that will be that. Have to be it until the springtime. You can tune in every week to listen to what Stinky Pete or other guests are on about, if you obviously care to desire. But uh, in the meantime, all I can say is thank you again, Austin, and it's a good night from me and a good night from Big C. Thank you very much. Not half. See ya. See ya.